Patriots Beat is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. All right, everyone, welcome back into another live edition of the Patriots Beat podcast here on the CLNS Media Network. Brian Hines from Pat's Pulpit, joined as always by Alex Barth from 98.5 The Sports Hub. And it's game week. It is finally game week. Uh, yes. Philadelphia Eagles come to town this Sunday for what should be quite the week one opener. And we can, we haven't been on here since last Thursday. So there's been a few changes to the roster, which we will get into in a second. But we have to start with some good news the Patriots got just a few hours ago because Jack Jones got some positive news on his legal status as his gun charges were dropped Tuesday. He was due back in court September 15th originally, pushed back up to this morning, and they got the gun charges dropped, and he in return got a year of probation and 48 hours of community service. So good news there. Now it kind of goes to the league. The NFL could step in and maybe have some suspension or discipline there. But it looks like Jack Jones might be available to New England fresh out of the gate here. Well, now's when the league element of it comes in, right? Because we kind of knew this all along. We've said this all along. The league likes to wait until the legal process has been carried out, and that legal process has now been carried out. So now it's at their discretion, do what they want. I don't think they'd suspend him for week one simply because I don't think it's enough time at this point. I don't, you know you can't pull that player away from the Patriots when they spent all day today coming up with their game plan. So does it come down next week? Is it something that comes down in the future? Maybe for next year, he goes on review like with Alvin Kamara possibly, but you got to feel like he's in good shape here. Cause there's no guilty plea, anything like that. He, the charges were dropped for 40 hours of community <clears throat> service and, and a year's probation. And it feels like this might be the end of this. I don't know for sure. There's no inside information there, at least when it, it comes in terms of the, league, of the league. I do know, at least speaking to legal experts, this result was a little bit surprising. I don't think entire. I, I think that he wasn't, there wasn't an expectation. It was always a possibility he was going to, he, he was going to serve jail time, but it wasn't necessarily an expectation. Now that's obviously official here, but yeah, I think at this point that the ball's in the league's court, but for Jack Jones, and he released a statement to Andrew Callahan of the Boston Herald, or I think maybe his, his legal team did or his reps did, but he's ready to focus on playing football. And, and he said at one point this summer that, yeah, it was kind of something to deal with. Well, he's trying to get ready for the season and having this hanging, this, having this hanging over his head, and you saw it at times. Like he had an up-and-down summer. We, we'd talk about we'd come on here one day and say he was great, and we'd come on here another day and say he struggled. So – I think to get his focus back is a really good sign, and now we see what he does with it. Yep. And he also said that it was like August 24th, around two weeks ago, that he hadn't heard anything at that point from the NFL on a suspension. So still up in the air on there. We can. The prosecutor said in their decision, they said it cannot be proven beyond a reasonable doubt that Mr. Jones had knowledge that he possessed the firearms in his bag at the time of the incident, and they later got into... Stuff saying he purchased the firearms lawfully in the state of Arizona, and he's taken steps over the last that 60-day mandated period to become a lawful gun owner in the state of Massachusetts. So that's how that that kind of unfolded. But complete yeah, side it. note: Commonwealth of Massachusetts. I'm surprised that a legal document doesn't include that. Oh yeah, just state of Massachusetts. It says Commonwealth in other spots, but that one, but yeah, there that it's one's a state. state. 
I maybe there is some sort of legal difference where state is correct there, but I love it whenever anybody refers to it as the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. It feels both super <laughs> formal and super towny. So I love hearing that phrase, but I don't know. For some reason, right there, I guess it's not applicable. Yeah, that's an interesting one. But yeah, so it, it's up to the league. It seems like maybe that's a, it doesn't. I agree with you. I don't think that'd be something that happens this week. Maybe next week or or, or we, we revisit this next offseason or something like Alvin Kamara. But, I mean, you mentioned the kind of rocky summer he had, if we want to kind of bring this back to football. Yeah. But th- between the court stuff and the practice, we can go back to that. He just walked off the field that we never really got an explanation for, not like we expected to get one. But there was that. But the Patriots kept putting them out there, and they kind of kept you know rolling with them through all the, these – you know, trials and tribulations. And so they need them, right? I think they kind of recognize that. I think we both are in agreement that their best three cornerback duo includes him with Christian Gonzalez and Jonathan yeah. Jones. So from a football perspective, it's good news because they, they, their actions throughout the summer have kind of told us that they want him out on the field. And they're in need of week one. We'll do the full Eagles breakdown on Thursday. We'll get back to doing the breakdowns, how we usually do on the show on Thursdays and, Coverage matchups is always will be a big part of that, but he's a guy, I think a team with the guy like AJ Brown, big physical receiver. You're going to want Jack Jones on the field and you, you're going to want him on the field like regularly. Yep. I'd agree with that. So that, that's pretty much all, all the Jack Jones Jones stuff there. I don't think we miss are there any other details we miss there. Um, I think that was pretty much – there's kind of some of the legal minutia. I guess the Chargers you, – you sort of read it there. Like they basically – the guns were in his bag and then it was his bag. But like I think the technicality that, that this is based on is essentially kind of what we thought it would be from the beginning that they can't prove he knew the guns were in the bag and you know somebody else put him in there or whatever. So, Yep. Yep, so that's the Jack Jones update for now, but – uh, let's hear from our great friends over at FanDuel very quickly before we get into the roster moves that have happened the last couple of days. Let's do... Get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use, and you can be on everything from spreads to player props and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL in Massachusetts, 21-plus in present in MA. First online real money wager only, $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at FanDuel.com backslash sportsbook hope is here gambling helpline ma.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24 7 support play it smart from the start game sense ma.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234 nfl sunday ticket offer ends 9 18 23 no refunds terms and embargoes apply 100 off nfl sunday ticket not youtube tv youtube tv tv base plan required to watch youtube tv redemption requires a Google account and current form of payment, commercial use excluded, subscriptions renewed, cancel anytime. All right. So I believe last Thursday was our last show. And at that point, their latest moves were 
They put the practice squad together. Bailey Zappi's back on the practice squad. They moved Tyquan Thornton to injured reserve. So we haven't even discussed they got a new quarterback because they claimed Matt Corral, who was a third-round pick last year, that the pick was originally the Patriots, and they traded back, and they got the pick for Bailey Zappi and Marte Mapu this year. So now they just have all three with Matt Corral. But he's on the 53 Maybe he's inactive week one and, and Bailey's elevated to be the backup, but I don't know what were your kind of thoughts uh, on Matt Corral bringing him in here with, with Bill O'Brien and in this system. It's an interesting one, different kind of quarterback. I had Matt Corral and Bailey Zappi in the same tier coming out in the draft last year. I just thought it was a matter of what are you looking for. I thought Zappi was the epitome of a high floor quarterback, uh, low ceiling, and I thought Corral was the opposite. I thought he was a very low floor guy, but I there are some – natural traits he has that are intriguing. He's a great athlete. He's got a big arm, but he's very erratic. And they covered that up a lot in that old Miss system, which is what Lane Kiffin does. There's very little carryover coming out of that Lane Kiffin offense. You don't see a lot of offenses run like that in the NFL and the Patriots offense is a major departure. So I don't think this is anything immediate. I know there was, I forget who had it. There was a report out there that it's basically Matt Corral competing with Bailey Zappi for the backup job in practice. And the reason one's on the roster and the other's on the practice squad is essentially that's just the way it had to work to get both guys on the roster. Uh, if Matt Corral had passed waivers, maybe there's a chance that he gets signed to the Patriots practice squad and Bailey Zappi's still on the team or, or gets signed back to the 53 or something like that. So like, He's an interesting player. He needs a lot of coaching, and this is where you kind of bet on Bill O'Brien. I don't – I remember there was this take during the draft this year that even if you think Max the guy, look at what the Eagles did. They thought Carson Wentz was the guy, but they still drafted Jalen Hurts in the second round. Look what he became. Just go get that athletic, toolsy, high upside quarterback in the second round, and it was like great. And I honestly – even me being a Max Jones guy, I didn't hate that plan, but as I kept telling people, that quarterback didn't exist in what was a very thin draft for quarterbacks. Matt Corral kind of fits that mold. He's a total lottery ticket. I He might not be an NFL quarterback. I really wasn't impressed when he was here last year for joint practices. I thought he struggled, and then we, we barely saw him in the game before he got hurt. He struggled this preseason, you know, coming back. So he's got a long way to go. He does some interesting things with how he can play out of structure, but I don't know that that makes him better than Bailey Zappi because I think in terms of just a drop-back seat and throw element, Bailey Zappi's better. He's more accurate. He plays with more command. Um, and he does, he's more careful with the football, despite what this summer showed us. Because like, Corral had a bunch of turnovers this summer as well. I don't know that either one's the most careful. but So I it, it's interesting to me. It's definitely an interesting move. I A lot of his background kind of strikes me as Patriot draft pick. They have a history of drafting highly ranked high school recruits who don't pan out. And that was Corral. Uh, Lane Kiffin incorrectly connected, connected to that Belichick three tree through Nick Saban. So there's that connection. They saw him in a joint practice. They generally target those guys. So there's a lot of things on his resume outside of his skill set that kind of line up. I think they probably love his mental makeup. The things we've read about the kid, the Wayne Gretzky, the thing about Wayne Gretzky's son is kind of out there at this point. You like that? I just don't know that he puts it together and becomes an NFL quarterback. We'll figure out. But if he does, you're talking about probably next year. You're talking about Mac Jones isn't the guy and he comes into next year and competes most likely with the draft pick and Bailey Zappi for that starting job. 
I, I think he's he's more or less a flyer for this year. This definitely tells me that Mac Jones' uh, job is as safe as we believed it was coming out of camp. Yep. But, yeah, it's always kind of intriguing when you can add a guy with those physical tools, right? Especially when, you know, Mac or Zappy, we know that that's not really – their kind of style and skill set and they saw them as you mentioned in joint practices briefly in the preseason game even though he was kind of buried behind that wonderful baker mayfield sam darnold battle in carolina last year but they have they have some exposure to them and what do you think there's some kind of similar language between kiffin and bill o'brien with those offenses coming from you know there's some bama ties and that and that type of stuff there might be some similar language, but that would be where it ends. I don't think the yeah. concepts would be similar or anything like that. I I don't know how much overlap there would be just because you have Steve Sarkisian in the middle. Yeah. Yeah, and Sark Kiffin changed the offense as dramatically as anybody. They went from that pro style under center run heavy offense under Kiffin to that more modern spread, which is something Saban said he knew he needed to do. But Sark changed it again pretty good because that – Kiffin styles borderline air rate. Yeah. As under Stark and then under O'Brien, they're running more of a true spread. Yep. So I it, there might be some. I I I'm not gonna sit here and say there's none of it because I, I, I think there's probably a little bit, but day one stuff at most. I doubt anything overly complex carries over. But it's more you get that inside look. Bill O'Brien can go to Lane Kiffin or go to Nick Saban or Bill Belichick can go to, to, to Nick Saban who can go to Lane Kiffin. Like you have that connection where you can maybe get a little more information on the player than what's generally out there. Yep. I think that that's more where that connection comes in. And it's, it's worth mentioning while we're on quarterbacks, the NFL sent out a, a memo kind of a refresher I don't a, know uh, let's call it a walk back they realized they did it wrong the first time about the new emergency third quarterback rule because I think a lot of us saw this signing and said maybe they could elevate Bailey Zappi to the you know game day active roster off the practice squad he can serve as the primary backup quarterback and you can you know mark corral or mark whatever as Mad. that emer- emergency guy because you know you're probably not expecting him to be a primary backup week one here you know he's only been here a week so but but they kind of changed the language there and said all the quarterbacks have would have to be on the 53-man roster so that kind of takes that out of the equation for new england there yeah and there goes kind of the malik cunningham thing too so they 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 yeah they put a wrench in that <laughs> kind of unfair to do it after the rosters have been set but they they botched this thing from the beginning they're literally just trying to avoid the um why can't i think of his name the brock purdy situation from last year as it relates to cunningham somebody just had they don't necessarily force you to use cunningham as a receiver uh you just can't he can still play quarterback, just not in the context of that emergency rule. Yep. So I, I don't know that it makes it any more or less likely for Malik Cunningham to play quarterback. Honestly, the the loophole I laid out back in May, which is making Malik the backup quarterback, and having your true backup be the emergency guy, that's still doable. I uh, now all three guys have to be on the active roster, but that was always the case. So that's still in play. I just, I don't know how much they're going to toy with it. Mm-hmm. Cause that yep. they'll find a way to 
overwrite the legal fine. And clearly they don't mind changing the rule in the middle of the year. <laughs> so they'll find a way to overwrite that some way, somehow, if the Patriots break it out and take advantage of it. Yep. I mean, if you expected an NFL rule change to go smoothly, you're just expecting too much. But that was that was pretty much all the quarterbacks. Uh, some receiver movement with, with Tyquan going on IR, they kept going back into this well of former first-round pick wide receivers that ha- have not lived up to the hype because Jalen Rager is now on the practice squad. He was, what, infamously the receiver before Justin Jefferson? Yes. Right? Yep. So that obviously was a, a poor decision there. And then some practice squad, other practice squad shuffling, they released Tyrick Pitts and they signed TJ Luther to the practice squad who was a UDFA. They had him in on a – a top 30 visit or some sort of visit there leading up to the the combine so some receiver shuffling but Rager was, was kind of the the big one there and I think it was Schefter said he could be a candidate to be elevated here in, in week one yeah, whether that's I, just agent talk or no that was Schefter being a, a, a dork it yeah. was <laughs> oh you know and it's against his former team and he could like he could technically be on the field he, against the Eagles like yes he technically could I would be shocked if he's he fishing, will be. He's fishing for the engagement. Fishing for the engagement. Exactly. That's all that but, was. I mean, maybe like if you just like you could put him in like a Tycon role or maybe just be like run straight and fast and stretch the field and take this reverse once a game or something. But like, I don't know where their receiver room at is at with Devontae Parker back at practice uh, Monday, yesterday. Right. I would be kind of surprised if Rager has that spot, especially because they still only have two running backs. So right. they'll probably elevate a running back there. But I don't know. My guess, my guess is it's going to be Bailey Zappi and Ty Montgomery because yeah. they 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 took. We'll get to the third tight end in a minute. They don't need to elevate a tight end. I I doubt Matt Corrales were going to be the backup, having yeah. been here for just a week. Bill O'Brien even said today, like he's still learning the playbook now. You might get in trouble, be in trouble either way if Matt gets hurt, but Zappy knows the playbook, and that should make a major difference. And then Ty Montgomery to be that third down pass catching back. Uh, to me, those are the two guys you're probably looking at. I don't think they need to elevate anybody on defense. They have ten offensive linemen. They better not elevate an offensive <laughs> lineman. That'd be a waste. And yeah, the tight end elevation thing kind of goes out the window based on the other move they made uh, the other day. Yep. But I, I don't know any thoughts. On Rager, or I mean, is this? I mean, you texted me all the names after was like Corey. Yeah, Coleman. so at first I texted you Corey Coleman 2.0, and then I was like, nope, wait, they also had Laquan Treadwell last year, yeah. so 3.0. <laughs> they loved it. Look, I get it. There's not, not really a downside to it. They, as I said before, guys that were highly ranked recruits out of high school, another one is guys that were high draft picks that didn't pan out. They like to bring them in and just see, like, ah, is there anything here? Like, can we tap into whatever it was that made this person so highly regarded that they no longer, you know, that even though they no longer are, but again, Corey Coleman, Laquan Treadwell, uh, now uh, uh, Jalen Rager. I made this joke. Uh, I think to you and some other people the other day, the only reason to Harry's not currently on the Patriots practice squad is because he was drafted by them. Yeah. That's the kind of guy that they go for. So, and how did it end up with all those guys? And, and look, They've done it on the active roster too, and it's worked. Josh Gordon was the same thing. He was kind of his time was done in Cleveland for a number of reasons, and they kind of looked at it and said, "Hey, if we can tap into what made him special, yeah, we'll give up a seventh round pick to find out if we can." And they did that, and it, it might have been a sixth, but they did that, and it worked out. So I'm not saying it never works, 
but the hit rate is, uh, you know, you can go back to the veterans too. And guys like Reggie Wayne and Tori Holt, like they do this generally it doesn't work out. So I'm not expecting too much from Jalen Rager. He does have some speed. Maybe if Demario Douglas goes down and Tyquan's still hurt, that gives you some insurance in terms of that role. That's about it. I don't think they're going to tap into first round Jalen Rager, who by the way, was probably overdrafted to begin with. But I'm not going to sit here and be like, I can't believe they're wasting a roster spot on Jalen Rager. Oh, my God. Like, whatever. It's a practice squad spot. Yeah. It's just kind of like Matt Corral, right? Like, just worth a shot. See what see what happens. So that that was the Jalen Rager, TJ Luther, Thyric Pitts uh, released. And then yesterday they put Riley Reef on IR, which kind of seemed where that was headed after he got hurt in that yeah. final Tennessee game. And he hasn't been at practice since. And they used that open roster spot to sign Farrah Brown or off the pra- off their own practice squad, sign him to the 53-man roster. Kind of that big body you'd expect they would have added there to the week one roster to help in the run game at that tight end position. Yeah, a little surprising there because we did figure like, hey, they're going to need a blocking tight end. We thought it might be a practice squad elevation. Matt Sokol seemed like the guy who's been with the team since last, I think since 2021, right? And yeah, then instead so. it's... Pharaoh Cooper, who just got here last week, but I guess he's picking up the playbook quick. Bill O'Brien guy, he talked about that yesterday in the locker room that he had his best year under Bill O'Brien, was one of the best blocking tight ends in football that year. 6'6", 260, definitely brings the size you need to that role. I don't know that he's here for 17 games. They play with roster spots sometimes on a week-to-week basis, but the week one matchup with this Eagles defensive front, you do need a blocking tight end on the roster, so... I, that move made a lot of it, it, assuming he's up to date on the playbook. The only reason I wasn't sure about it was, well, does Matt Sokol have a better grasp on what they're doing? <clears throat> assuming he's up to date on the playbook makes a ton of sense. And I look at him as a guy who can handle the role. Remember Dwayne Allen? Yeah. Was on the team in 2018. It, for what it's worth, I thought Dwayne Allen wasn't a bad receiver in Indy, but they threw him the they ball like I think something like all. <laughs> 15. No, they used him a lot. He played well, like, a as, as a receiver. Like they right, did. I got to pull it up. Like his targets were criminally low. And it was like, what is going on? But he was a good blocker, and that's just what he was. And he was essentially another tackle, about the same size, actually, now that I'm looking at it, as uh, caught, Brown, 6'4", uh, 260. So his last year in Indy, he caught 35 passes on 52 targets, and then his yeah. first year in New England, 10, 10 receptions on 22 targets. He had 26 targets in 29 career games as Patriot. <laughs> they just didn't throw him the ball, but he was a really good blocker. And they, they even talked about it. They're like, yeah, he's an extra lineman out there and we can use him to pull and we can use him for this and that. And the defense still has to respect him enough compared to having a true tackle eligible player out there. I think that's probably what Pharaoh Brown's role is as long as he's on this roster. Yep. Dwayne Allen had six touchdowns in his last year and then had 10 catches his first year in new England. Right. That was that was something, but yeah, you mentioned the uh, the playbook. Farrell Brown, he did say it, it's pretty similar to what, <clears throat> excuse me, what what he did in Houston under Bill O'Brien, and he's like, okay. I've been around a few places, so it's just learning the few tweaks and and the terminology how how he goes about that. But yeah, he's only been here a few days, but it sounds like he should be able to catch on pretty well for that Week One game. Then we'll maybe see what happens, how long he sticks around after that. But uh, lastly, just Moving Farrow Brown up to the active roster, open the practice squad spot, and, and they use that on Jeremiah Farms. D-lineman, big nose tackle depth that we, we've talked about a few times here over the last week. That always kind of seemed where where they were going to have a spot open for, for Jeremiah Farms at some point there. So they just kind of made that official yesterday. 
Yeah, and then I think they made one other move too, right? Did they waive Diego Fago from IR? Oh, yep. Mm-hmm. It was like an in. They, yeah, they had him on IR, like yeah, a, and then they waived him. So that wraps up wraps up the housekeeping there, I guess. Yep. Yeah, Farms. They like Farms. He's the new Bill Murray. Plays on both sides of the ball in practice when they need him to. <laughs> Works hard. Kind of came from lower levels of football. Doesn't surprise me to see him back here and. They, I, I don't. He's not a true nose tackle, but he's as close as they have, and they didn't really have anybody behind Devon Godshaw before that. So it it makes sense he's back. I don't think he'll play in a regular season game this year. That would surprise me, but not bad emergency depth to have just in case. Yep, good guy to keep around. But yeah, that's all the housekeeping stuff on the roster. But we will get into a little Q and A here if you guys want to start asking or dropping some questions in the chat and while you do that we will hear from our pals at linkedin all right so let's get into a little q a we have to start here this is the easiest one we'll get should i draft chad ryland as my <laughs> kicker yes absolutely i think i have him in every single one of my fantasy leagues this year so of course you do we'll see we'll see how that goes don't yell at me though when he only scores like two points week one off two extra points but i mean nick folk was one of the best kickers in fantasy football yeah. the last few years right so probably not the way i don't know that i'd take him as the first kicker you probably did but... i did it no don't i just waited until everyone else had a kicker and then i just took my my chad rylan but the only thing i, I would kind of say about that is do you think with a rookie here that you invested a fourth round pick in could there be a time where they're like it's fourth and three we either have him kick a 53-yard field goal or we just go for this. Like, Do you think there's there's some hesitancy there to make him kick maybe some long field goals, some important field goals, and to maybe kind of save his confidence there? And, and he seems like a real confident kid, and, and Cam Acord spoke today and praised kind of his mental toughness. He said like he's a kick-to-kick kicker, but do you think we could see any of that, that they keep him out of some tough situations early? Uh, they shouldn't yeah like that's just not how you develop a player but it's them and rookies so they very well might you draft a guy with the big legs so you can't attempt that 53 yard field goal when you need to do it and i i I have a column coming out tomorrow on 98.5 the sports hub.com bold predictions for the patriot season and one of them is that chad rylan and bryce Baringer will both play full 17 game seasons because that's only happened six uh six times in the 16 game schedule era that goes back to 1978 part of what i wrote is they you draft a kicker in the fourth round, he's not going to be perfect. He might be good, but he's not going to be perfect. And when you have a rookie kicker and punter, you're signing up to ride that roller coaster, and there's going to be growing pains, and I really hope they stick with them and don't just flush that pick down the drain. Yep. I agree with you there. Uh, uh, what else we got? We had some other ones here. This one. Do you think we will see any gadget packages on offense? Marcus Jones, Keelan White at tight end. I don't think we'll see Keelan White at tight end, even though that would be extremely fun. Kind of feel the same about Marcus Jones. We haven't seen any indication that he'd play offense this year, and they have Pop Douglas now. Last year, that just kind of felt like a thing where they needed explosive plays, and he was really one of the only guys to give that to us. So maybe not ruling it out completely, but it doesn't, really seem like it's headed that that way this year early on i could see them breaking out the marcus jones package week one they'll break it out at some point this year uh yeah. keon white i 
if they do do any of that stuff, it's going to be later in the year, not week one. Keon White at tight end, I think, is a stretch, especially now that they have Tyrone Wheatley, who's a 310-pound converted <laughs> tight end playing tackle. I, I We could see the Marcus Jones package week one, even though they didn't practice it this summer. This is what the last two weeks are for when they kick us out of there is to start really installing that week one game plan, us being the media. So I I wouldn't rule out the Marcus Jones package. I don't think you're going to see it a lot. I know some people want it to be like a main part of the offense. It's going to be a gadget thing, just like it was last year. They may run those plays more, but they'll run them with Demario Douglas, not Marcus Jones. Yeah. Uh, the other stuff you're going to, that's like second half of the year after Halloween stuff. Yep. Well, we're talking about the receivers though, potential receivers. I think this is a good question. Thoughts on the Juju knee injury news. Uh, there's a report that his knee, I believe it was Greg Bedard said his knee. Something I think it was exploding. I think it was Breer. It was Breer. It was yeah. Breer. Like his knee could explode at any moment or something like that. I apologize. I'm getting the word wrong. Basically his knee's not in good shape since he heard it last year in the Super Bowl. Uh, and then he came out the other day and said, it's getting better. And like, it's in good shape. I, I am a little worried about it. I am a little worried about it. Uh, I think that that slot role is so important and having an established player in that role is big. Now that being said, I do think that they are relatively prepared. If Juju can't play, I think that, I don't think it would be a one-for-one swap because Juju's kind of halfway in between the player in terms of the skill set to Mario Douglas and Kayshawn Booty. So I think you'd probably end up seeing those two guys rotate in the slot if Juju can't play. If he's limited week one, if he plays anything less than like 90% week one, I think that's a very telling sign that they're worried about his knee. Um, I'm not going to say I'm like super worried about it. it, And I just realized part of the question is, is that report credible? I don't know. I haven't heard one way or the other. If it is true, I, I it wouldn't be the craziest thing, and I think it's something to monitor, but I do think that if something does happen with this knee, and look, players get hurt just either way. This is a really important player, and if he does play uh, or if he does get hurt at, at any point, whether it's the knee or something else, I do think they're in good shape to make up for that loss. Yep, which is where those rookie receivers having such good summers come into play. But I mean, he has he's practiced every day this summer. He didn't miss a training camp. Obviously, he missed some time in, in the spring there, maybe out of caution. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Like he might get hurt. There obviously there's some issues there from the past, but we'll we'll just kind of see how that that develops. But he he's been at practice every day since we started training camp here. So, um, any potential. Draft prospects, which keep an eye on from CFP. I wrote a whole <laughs> column about this on 985thesportsub.com. But I, JC Latham's been my guy attack from Alabama. I thought yep. he had a good week one. Granted, it was against Middle Tennessee State. We'll see what he does against Texas. Yep. Uh, uh, I don't, it might be a good year if you need a quarterback, it looked like. And that's not anti Mac because I do like Mac, but I don't know. There was a, some really good some really good quarterback play in the college landscape week one. And Maybe if you're talking about that Jalen Hurts strategy, right? If Mac has another like rookie year, maybe get one of those guys who's toolsy in, in the second round and let them kind of battle it out next year in training camp. So I don't know. So I'll say this, and we can transition to a college football minute here before we wrap it up. Um, I've said this about Mac since I think the 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 winter. It's his job to keep them out of a spot where they can draft his replacement. That's basically what it comes down to. Remember, I I, uh, I don't remember if this was at the end before Mike left or when you had first started, but that hot take I have that Marvin Harrison Marvin would Harrison, be a bad yep. pick for the Patriots. And I don't mean that he's a bad player. I mean that if they're drafting high enough to draft Marvin Harrison, 
they should be taking a quarterback. Mac Jones has failed. It's just the reality of it. And I know some people like Bailey Zappi. I know some people like Matt Corral. Uh, these guys that are coming out at the top of this draft, and I'm talking top 10 pick, they're miles, miles ahead, better prospect than both of those guys. I'm talking about guys like Drake May. I'm talking about guys like Michael Penix. Obviously, Caleb Williams, but I don't think the Patriots will be bad enough to have the first overall pick. Maybe Riley Leonard enters that conversation. Shader Sanders is certainly on track to enter that conversation. So that brings us to our college football minute here, Brian. Um, I am all but ready. I haven't officially done it yet, but consider, you know how like with weather, there's like a, a watch and a warning and a watch means like the conditions are present, but this thing doesn't exist. And then like thunderstorm watch means, Hey, there could be a thunderstorm. All the conditions exist. There's not right now, but the conditions exist for there to be one. And then there's a warning, which is like, yeah, there's going to be a thunderstorm. like it's happening. Uh, consider this a watch. I'm not ready to upgrade it to warning just yet, but uh, I am almost ready to anoint this the year of the quarterback in college football. Because doesn't it kind of feel like that based off everything we saw in week one? And we've got a long way to go. But these quarterbacks, the heavy majority of them being draft eligible, uh, put on a show this weekend. Whether it was Caleb Williams, whether it was Shador Sanders, whether it was Michael Penix, Riley Leonard. I thought Jordan Travis had some struggles early, but played really well down the stretch there for Florida State. He's a guy I like. Um Grayson McCall had an up and down game, but I thought he showed some flashes. There's a, just a ton of quarterbacks in this draft that I'm a fan of. And yet yeah, it's up to Mac Jones to dissuade the, the Patriots. It is going to be very easy for them to replace Mac Jones this offseason in the draft. It feels that way. Mac Jones basically has to give them a reason not to. But what do you think of week one in college football? Yeah, I mean, that was my big big thing just the quarterbacks like Michael Penix throwing it all over the place Caleb Williams obviously was awesome Sanders was insane that game was just awesome to watch but um yeah just like that was that Jalen Hurts thing was what I kept you know watching all these guys these, these toolsy athletes with with great uh you know lively arms like that was what I kept just coming to and realizing like if Mac just has like that rookie year or maybe he's a little better, but it's not like pounding the table, like we're going to pick up your option, right? Like we're going to yeah. go into you next year with you on or your last year of your rookie contract, but we can go get a, you know, Michael Penix might be a, a first round pick now, but we could go get. No, but I, I think that that could be in play. Another yeah, guy like, came. Jefferson, somebody put in the chat a guy I really like. I yeah, or Jordan. Started. Where, where, like, where do you think Jordan Travis is going to go? Like, early? he's got a way to go. Yeah, like, like his uh, makeup is is still kind of incomplete. DJ Uyunglele looking yeah. revitalized in in Oregon State. And I want to get to some of the actual games that happened, Brian. I know you're up against it, but like first round, second round, third round, like they're going to have options. Yeah, when it comes to quarterbacks, so pressure's on Mac Jones to keep his job. Yeah, that uh, that was my thing. Like, wouldn't be surprised if you're talking Mac versus a new top 75 90 pick rookie next year in, in training camp. All right, let's get to, let's get to some of these college football games real quick before we wrap it up. Cause it's week one. So we got to overreact, right? Um, <laughs> I think TCU lost a lot of talent. I, I wasn't surprised Colorado beat them, but are you buying Colorado as like a legitimate potential playoff team? I don't want Deion Sanders to come after me, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, we know Deion watches Patriots being yeah. religiously. So, uh, I'm going to say no on playoff, but I think they can hang around like that 15-25. They do have a tough schedule this year, but shout out to the Pac-12 for winning every game. Yeah, maybe keep the Pac-12 around (laughs) here. Um, Yeah, but um, yeah, I'm not playoffs yet. Okay, 
My thought on Colorado, I don't think that game was a fluke. A lot of people are saying it's a fluke, yeah. like they can't constantly play up to that level. The talent level is real. Travis Hunter's elite. Shadur Sanders has a great arm. That Dylan Edwards kid looks like the second coming of Barry Sanders. That was <laughs> unreal. I thought he he might have been the best player in that game. Uh, oh, no, it was Travis Hunter, but it's because he played both sides. But that kind of gets my point. Travis Hunter's not playing 130 snaps, 14 of 16 weeks. Like, that's not going to happen. Dylan Edwards, a true freshman. Uh, a lot of those guys are young. I wonder if they can do that consistently. I think they can play up to that level more often than not, but I don't think they can do it every week. And yep. that's what it's going to come down for me. Like, can those younger players maintain in what ultimately is the long-term plan for Travis Hunter? Because it can't be 130 snaps every week. And are you going to use him full-time as a corner and limit him as a receiver? Are you going to use him full-time as a receiver, limit as a corner? Is it going to be 50-50 on both sides? Because that impacts, I think, what their ceiling is, is where Travis Hunter plays. Because I, um, uh, the other receiver, um, Horn Jr., Jimmy yep. Horn Jr., I thought made some plays, but I wasn't outside of Hunter and Edwards. I wasn't super impressed with their skill position players. There's a lot of drops in that game, a lot of miscues. So... But I, 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 Colorado can be a 10-win team. I believe that. It's just going to be consistency for them. Uh, some of the other big games, Florida State, LSU. Was that game more about Florida State being better than we think or LSU being worse than we think? So I was just going to give you a little buy or sell here. I think Florida okay. State's awesome, and I think you're kind of in that same same page there. But Florida State wins the national championship, and the Patriots draft one of their offensive Ooh. players, whether it's Jordan Travis, Keon Coleman, Wilson, Jaheim Bell, kind of that seems like a Patriot guy there. Are you buying or selling that? Yeah, I, uh, I'm uh, I'm selling. I, I don't think they're a national championship team. I don't think Jordan right. Travis is on that level. Do they? Buy, and they had a lot of drops in that game. Do you buy the second half then? Patriots draft one of their playmakers. They're on the radar. They got a lot in that offensive line too. When they got going in that second half, once they figured it out, and that yeah. that LSU defensive front is legit. There's multiple first round picks up there this year and next year, but. I, uh, I I think that was Florida State being better than we think. I also I don't think LSU is that bad. I think Brian Kelly's not a good coach and isn't good at getting his team up for week one. That's kind of a theme of his. So I think LSU, kind of like they did last year, they'll close the, the year strong again. But I, I, I thought that was more about Florida State. Uh, Clemson Duke. <laughs> Dabo getting exposed by a basketball school. Look, I think Duke did some nice things in that game. Uh, Riley Leonard was interesting. Definitely better with his feet than with his arm. I'm not ready to totally buy into him yet. He was not great as a passer last night. I need to see more of him as a passer before I'm ready to call him a top 100 pick. But the legs, he, he's kind of Daniel Jones, but like worse. So far, he can build off that. Their Duke, Duke's defense looks legit. They made plays. But I'll tell you this, Clemson is fraudulent. And Dabo Sweeney is a fraudulent head coach. He had two of the best quarterbacks of this, you know, the century to this point since 2000 in college football in Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence. He has not been able to live up to that since. And I think what DJ Uyunglele did at Oregon State this weekend is proof of that. I think Cade Klubnik is more talent than he looked. I think Dabo's getting exposed. I, I've never believed him as one of the elite coaches in college football. He's been put in that Nick Saban tier, right, in that group. I, Nick Saban, I guess, is in his own tier. But if you want to call it that next tier down, like, I don't know, who do you want to put in there? Guys like Ryan Day, guys like Lincoln Riley. Kirby Smart. Guys like Kirby Smart, absolutely. Um, I don't think Dabo's in that tier 
And I think he got exposed last night. And I think more of that is on the way for this Clemson program this year. Has there been a big name program that's gone like been affected by the transfer portal as much as them, do you think? Because they just like uh Alabama, honestly. Yeah, Saban agreed, has not yeah. handled the NIL stuff well. You've seen the pipeline dry up at wide receiver, but no, Clemson is in uh somebody who is it? Somebody I think they're talking about it was a tweet the other night that was like some program, blah, 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 was a powerhouse for like 10 years and then just completely faded from image. Anyways, good luck, Clemson. <laughs> I'm trying to remember what that other program was. I'm going to try to find it real quick. Any other uh, – we talked about Michael Penix, some of the quarterbacks. Any other thoughts from you for, from week one? I mean, we talked quarterbacks, and we didn't even talk like Drake May or Drew Aller. Just they, they were awesome. They lived up to the hype there. Do you, like what, do you like what Drew Aller did? I thought he kind of left some meat on the bone in that game. Yeah, I mean, I thought he was good, but there there were probably some stuff he missed there. But I mean, you're going three twenty five and three. I get it's West Virginia, but uh, that's probably the best quarterback Penn State's had in a long time. So he's going to be interesting there in the Big Ten. Um, let's see. I was just going through. I think that was pretty much all the. Are you worried about Texas at all? Next week's going to tell us a lot. Yeah. Next week's going to, uh, they week one against rice. I kind of expected them to sleepwalk through that game. That's what Sark's teams do. Let's, yep. let's see what happens next week. I, and I, I'm trying to remember which program it was, but it was so spot on that they were like dominant. And then maybe just, it was Florida state. Um, that they were dominant for like five to 10 years and then just completely fell off the earth. I don't know. It's not coming to me. I can't find, um, I'm not, I'm not going to find it. This is like a deep tweet. Next time. But Tease it for next time. I, if you're a Clemson fan, you might be in for uh, for a rough fall. It wasn't like Florida, right? Get the Gators? No, it wasn't. It wasn't the Gators. It was a, It was another ACC team. Yeah, okay. Uh, Ohio State, you worried about uh, McCord there? No, I, I think he can play uh, I, a little bit. Actually, I, that was not a game they they should have had to sleepwalk through. But I think I, Marvin Harrison Jr. gets hurt. That's got to be jarring, like for that entire yeah. roster. Even though he came back, I I think that that threw them off for the entire game. Both not just like on the field. I think like mentally. Yeah, I could see that. But yeah, that was uh, week one of of the college football world. It was awesome. We got so much more football left in NFL football. Kicking off Thursday with Chiefs, Lions, and Patriots, obviously, Sunday against the Eagles. So we will be back to preview that game on Thursday right here. So make sure you're subscribed to the Patriots Press Pass on YouTube so you know when we go live. But until then, you can follow Alex on Twitter at RealAlexBarth. Go read all his work over at 985thesportshub.com. Follow me on Twitter at IamBrianHines and go read all my coverage over at Pat'sPulpit.com. Thank you all as always for tuning in and we will see you guys 